Christ is a true way, and all religions are really the same, then it should do no harm to proclaim his grace. But if he is not only a true way, but the true way, and we do not proclaim him, it does great harm to withhold the true way that we know. Today on the Song Time broadcast, as we continue to look at the exclusive claim of Jesus to be the way, the truth, and the life, Dr. Brian Chappell will ask this very important question. Is that a message that we should keep to ourselves? Absolutely not. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Stay tuned for that message, but first we're joined once again by Michael Glodo as we talk about his book that takes us to the ironic blessing, the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. The many voices are coming together for that one message. I'm your host, Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. All week long, we've been joined by Michael Glodo, who I can say is a new friend. I've just enjoyed our conversation this week talking about the promise of the gospel from the ironic blessing. His book is called The Lord Bless You and Keep You, and you know the rest of it. And the Lord make his face shine upon you. Now, the problem is that many of us, when we come into our walk and relationship with Christ, we have a hard time accepting the love of God. We, we don't have a hard time accepting the consequences for our sins. We understand, we feel the guilt, we feel the shame. We have a hard time giving that over to Jesus and letting him deal with our guilt and shame. So, because we've been talking about the ironic blessing, the Lord's face shining upon you, Michael, for any of our listeners who are struggling with this, maybe they know it, they just don't know how to make sense of it in the context of of their relationship with Jesus. What sort of advice do you have for them in understanding that we can actually uh, take in the the radiance of Christ? and celebrate the, with love what he has done, what he has sacrificed on our behalf. Um, a story, I think, will answer that well. This just happened two, two Sundays ago. I was back preaching at a church that I'd preached at quite a bit a few years ago. And a, a, a friend, a, a woman from this church, she was waiting for me because she heard I was coming. She had a sweatshirt on that had the ironic blessing on it. <laughs> And she couldn't wait, and she showed me her copy of the book, and it was just all marked up. And and so here's the story. Several years ago, the first time I met her, she came to me at the church door after the service, and she shared her story with me. Raised in a Catholic home where her mother regularly shamed her. Uh, Her father, who was uh, incessantly critical of her, left the family. Uh, she ended up marrying a man who just verbally abused her and belittled her all the time. And and the spirit, the spirituality which was ingrained in her, her through her Catholic upbringing just taught her that uh, you desperately need God because you have so much to be ashamed about. And And then she fell into the hands of a Christian pastor who had, I, I guess, the lack of a better description he was a narcissist and he he played upon her vulnerabilities in it towards shame and uh, and and that that was as hard as as the other uh factors she described but so she told me two weeks ago that our conversation that day began i guess to 
break loose some of the icebergs. Um, I guess she was expecting me to just kind of, yeah, yeah, lady, you know, move on. I got other people to say hi to But She said, I stopped, I talked to her, I looked her in the face and I listened to her and I, I understood her. And so when, when the book came out and she read it, she realized that so much of her, her just ingrained shame had begun to lift just from, and, and I, I can't say I talked to her in any other way than we would all want to be talked to. So it wasn't, it wasn't what I did per se, but it's just treating her like an image bearer of God. And, um, and so I think if that story can illustrate for someone that, you know, God's favor, if you, if you behold the glory of God in the face of Christ, you see the one who died for your sins you see the one who was raised for your life. You see the one who is the good shepherd who laid down his life for you. You see the one whose spirit now dwells in you by faith. And you see the one, as John says in, in 1 John 3, the one that uh, you will be like when you see him. That, as Paul writes, that we're being transformed from one degree of glory to another so that when we see him, we shall be like him. So, uh, the face, the, the 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 face of Christ, which is conveyed to us through the witness of God's word, tells us where we stand today and what our future hope is. And so, uh, continue to meditate upon that, and 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 ask God to give you faith to believe it. Uh, and uh, as as that old hymn says, that things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glorious grace. Mm. I know that this is a blessing that many of our listeners, as you mentioned before, have, have heard. Uh, maybe they didn't uh, kind of sit up and take notice of it in the past. Uh, but now, as we've talked about it, they're going to listen more intently. So what advice do you have for them when this is recited or when this is sung? Maybe they're, uh, they're going to read this or get a copy of the book. What sort of advice do you have on how to, to process this information that God has blessed us and his face shines upon us? Well, I would say, and this may take some processing for some of your listeners based on their church backgrounds and things, but, you know, the ironic blessing and benedictions in general, they are not prayers. They're not the person speaking, asking God to do something for us, but they are the person that God has given the ministry of the word to. Uh, they are words from God to be spoken over us. And so, very simply, instead of bowing our heads as if it's a prayer, lift up your face and look to the one who is pronouncing this word and know and believe that that person is speaking on God's behalf, a word commissioned to them by God so that you receive the word instead of bow your head as if uh, you don't have anything to be happy about. Mm. Like I said, a lot of a lot of folks have to get their mind around that because of a variety of things, of traditions about worship. But I think this is a good place where we should say traditions where people bow their heads with the benediction are not helpful traditions. Let's go back to the biblical tradition of lifting our eyes and seeing with our ears 
the shining face of God. We've been talking with Michael Glodo. His book is called The Lord Bless You and Keep You, The Promise of the Gospel in the Ironic Blessing. I think it's a great resource and something that, uh, I, quite honestly, I haven't seen covered in many of the books that cross my desk, but one that I think when we understand in the value of it, the, the re- realization that the Lord loves us, He cares for us, and He wants us to approach Him as His children and call Him Father is such a rewarding read. So get a copy of this book and uh, find out more information about it. And Mike, thank you so much for taking your time with us today and talking to about this ironic blessing. Thank you, Adam, and thank your listeners for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more information about Michael Glodo and his book, The Lord Bless You and Keep You, please give us a call. It's 508-362-7070 or head over to our website at songtime.com. Let me tell you that there is more to this conversation than what you were able to hear on the broadcast today or even this week, and I'd love to share that all with you. And in fact, you can hear the full interview in its entirety and watch it on video over on our website at songtime.com and post that on your own social media so that other people can see it, other people will be encouraged by it, and they can see this ironic blessing as something that that you and I can truly and honestly uh, understand for ourselves, that the Lord shines His face upon you, that He loves you and He cares for you. This is an important message the world needs to hear, and you can be a part of the many voices that are sharing that message. So again, head over to our website at songtime.com, find the video, and share it with those that you love. If you have been encouraged by the ministry here at Songtime, we love to hear from you. Write to us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630. Send us a little word of encouragement. Send us a note and let us know that you're listening. Let us know that you care and support the work that we're doing here on the Songtime broadcast on a daily basis. Well, today, as we continue our study in the Gospel of John, I've been looking at this passage, thinking of Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life, and and I've seen it in the, the exclusive claim, right? Jesus claims to be the only way. We, we understand that. That is a core message there. I can also see the, the encouraging word there, that he is the way, and we can lean on him. We can trust him to see us through to the end. He is going to bring us to the Father. That is comforting. But I think there's something else here, and it's something that Dr. Brian Chappell is about to cover as he talks about this. this if this is true, then what does that mean if we just keep it to ourselves? If we don't share it with other people. If they don't hear the message, the Apostle Paul will later write, blessed are the feet who carry the good news, because unless they hear the word and confess Jesus Christ and believe in him and confess him with their mouth and call on the name of the Lord, they will not be saved. It's not very loving if we keep this message to ourselves. Here is Dr. Brian Chapel with a closer look at Jesus' claim to be the way, the truth, and the life in John 14. Honesty requires a couple of things. Number one, the reality of facing that those who really understand their religion would never say that they are all the same. Those who really study it. I mean, I remember when Menachem Begin and Jimmy Carter got together and they were trying to do the, the original Middle East peace chords and people wondered, could they ever get together? And those who analyzed the two men said, you know what, they at least respect one another because they are both men of faith who understand their faith. They at least know enough about their faith to recognize that they are committed to something different 
rather than saying that you're men of no commitment. Honesty means first that we would say it's just, it's just not true that the religions are basically the same. But honesty, and here's, if you'll hang with me just a little bit, also requires us to consider one more thing. It's this. If Christ, if you're going to say all religions are true to some extent, they're all kind of the same. If Christ is a true way, not the, but if Christ is a true way, and all religions are really the same, then it should do no harm to proclaim his grace. Does that make sense? If he is a true way, then it should do no harm to proclaim the grace that's in Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not talking about the forms of Christianity that have been abused and been used to. I'm talking about the true teachings of Jesus. If it is a true way, then it should do no harm to proclaim that way. But if he is not only a true way, but the true way, and we do not proclaim him, it does great harm to withhold the true way that we know. To return to our example, if the room's on fire, and maybe there's lots of ways out, But I know a way, and I know it's true, and I know life is on the other side of that door. I have no choice but say, that's the way out. That is my moral obligation if I'm going to be hospitable and caring and compassionate. If if there are lots of true ways, it does no harm to say that's the way. And, And if I actually believe that is the way, it is every harm not to declare that that is the way. The most compassionate and caring things for people to do is to declare the way that you know. And if you have been made aware of the goodness and the grace of God that is in Jesus Christ that has released you from your sins and saved you from hell and provided a place for you eternally, there is no more caring thing that you can do to say, that, that's the way that I know. Listen, even our worst critics know that. Some of you know the name... Uh, Gillette Penn. This, this is the big guy of Penn and Teller, remember? The magicians and illusions. So Penn, some of you may recall, raised in a Christian home, has become an atheist. Has a blog that some almost two million people follow. But he understands the obligations of Christians and says it this way, I do not Respect people who will not proselytize. Isn't that interesting? I do not respect people who will not proselytize. I don't respect them at all. If you believe there's a heaven and a hell, and people could be going to hell or or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that's not worth telling them because it would be socially awkward... How much do you have to hate people to believe that everlasting life is possible and you won't tell them so that you'll get along socially? I mean, talk about an honest response. If you know the way, if it's the way that you think is right, and and you won't tell other people so they won't think badly, how much do you have to hate people 
to hold back the truth that you think saves them from hell. The reality is, though our society right now is saying it is intolerant and bigoted and unloving to say that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, from what you know and what I know and what we trust people will simply take to be an honest expression of the faith that we have, it it could not be more loving than to say, I have to share with you what I know. To return to our example once more, September 11 of 9-11. Flight 77, the airlines hits the Pentagon. John Yates is a former military but now a civilian employer doing a, employee doing a, a briefing right at the point that Flight 77 hits the Pentagon. The shock throws him 25 or 30 feet in the air. He, he kind of comes to out of shock in, in, in the midst of a burning inferno. And later wrote these words. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know which way to go. The air was unbreathable because it was so hot. Everything I touched burned me. Suddenly I heard a voice that said, Go through this door. It's clear on the other side. To this day, he says, I do not know what voice hollered that guidance. I only assume it was my my guardian angel. I, I just started crawling toward the voice. Others followed him, actually crawling over the fuselage of the plane that was lodged in the building. He said later, People have called me a hero because others followed me through the fire. I am not. I'm an ordinary guy who was thrust into an extraordinary situation. If I helped others get out, that's my reward. Other than the good Lord letting me be here today to tell you what he did. What's the loving thing you can do? Well, tell people the way out that you know. There is no more loving thing you can do. And if they're honest, if they're honest, and they know what you believe, they will know there is no more loving thing that in your heart you know you can do. Have you experienced the love of God? Have you experienced the the face of Jesus shining upon you? That's what John, the the writer of this gospel, wants you to see. He wants you to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's why he's introducing you to Jesus in his own words. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only way. He is the exclusive Savior, but he's also the only one who can effectively accomplish what he said he would do. He will bring you to the Father. He is going ahead of us so that he can prepare a mansion for us, but it, it is Jesus who will bring us in front of the Father. Now, it's kind of like when when your your friend brings you over to see if you're the family, right? And he has a relationship with the family. You don't know them, and you walk in there, and if you were meeting them for the first time just yourself, you might be blown away and, and, and really even nervous. But because he's with you, because your friend is with you, you're kind of comforted. You are being introduced to those that he loves, and and he is bringing you into that relationship. That's something special. 
but there's actually something a little bit more here. What Jesus is actually saying is, it is my righteousness that is going to clothe you. I am going to take my robes, my royal vestments, and I'm going to place them on you so that when you come before the Father, he's going to look at you the same way he looks at me. You're going to be a joint heir with Christ. You're going to be adopted into the family of God. It's not simply that you are a friend being brought in to meet him for dinner. No, you are brought into the family, fully embraced by the Heavenly Father, not on your own merit, not on your own works and your own righteousness, but in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. And that is what is so beautiful in this statement, that Jesus is welcoming us in to the family of God as joint heirs with Christ, adopted and made sons of of God. I hope that this encourages you. And, and most importantly, I hope that you will be an encouragement to others. I know that when you have experienced the gospel, when you've experienced the love of God, that that floods your heart with joy and excitement. But there are people in your life, and I've said this before, they'll never hear my voice. And that's okay. But they listen to you and you have access to them, and you can speak the words of life that come through Jesus Christ and the power of his Holy Spirit. So I want to encourage you. I want to send you on, and I want to give you this blessing that we heard from Michael Glodo in his book, The Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. If we've been able to encourage you, we would love to hear from you, and we'd love to, to pray for you. So write in to us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, or give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com or look us up on social media. On behalf of everyone here at Songtime, we want to thank you for listening. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse, John 13, 34 through 35. Hear the words of Jesus, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another.